Welcome everybody to the Tech Experience Podcast. My name is Manuel and I'm going to be your host for today. Today I have with me Sedem and Reginald. Reginald is a robotics processing engineer, mainly building bots to process um, automation as well as cutting the time used for repetitive tedious tasks and also increasing the accuracy of those tasks. Um, he has a background in electrical and electronics engineering. He's also the co-founder of the Unair Robotics Club as well as a mentor to the Unair Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. He's passionate about being at the front line of technology as it evolves in Africa. I also have here with me Prosper Sedem Balfour. Like I said, he's also an ecosystem manager for the Hackler Foundation, where he's actively building developer communities across Sub-Sahara Africa. He's also the team lead at Brand Afrique, where he leads a team of talented developers and creatives to design and build custom software solutions to help small and medium-skilled businesses. He's also interested in leveraging technology to build high-impact solutions targeted at Sub-Saharan Africa. So today's conversation is all around work and happiness, and I hope you enjoy this. Now, I'm going to throw this question off the grid and then we start picking up introductions from there. So, Selim, are you happy in your role? Happy? Well, it depends on what you're actually talking about. I mean, role, as in a side of my role, my entire role. Yeah, I mean, your work and then whatever is entailed in it. Doesn't need to be specific, but are you happy in it? I think I'm happy and it's project specific, depending on what project I'm working on. Yeah, could be happy or could be sad or could just not be any of them. All right, so let me just pitch down to Reginald again. Uh, How I, does that sound to you? <laughs> I think, I think uh, what he says has a point in the sense that it depends. Sometimes some projects are interesting, some projects are boring. But in general, for what I do, I, I'm very happy. It's... Okay, so a global poll that was conducted by Gallup has uncovered that um, out of the world's 1 billion full-time um, workers, only 50% are engaged at work. And that means that astronomically, 85% of people are unhappy in their roles. And that is why I'm throwing up this question. Now, in today's session, it's going, mostly going to be around um, work happiness and then how we're going to pave the way forward in our career. Right? So, Selim, back to you again. Now, we started talking about happiness in the role, and then you just give an input that um, is sort of project-specific, just like Reginaldo just said. Um, I want you to throw more light on that. Um, what sort of projects are you more excited to work on, and what projects are you working on currently? Okay, basically, I mean, depend on... Uh, I mean, I'm a product designer. Yeah, uh, I did computer science. And basically, I like designing and writing code, so yeah. That kind of vibe. So basically, depending on the pro problem a product is trying to solve from the user research side to maybe wireframing to high fidelity mockups to prototyping, that's what's actually going to decide if, if a project is interesting or not. So yeah, I can't specifically point out a project that's going to make me happy or unhappy unless I actually start working on a project. So yeah. To be quite honest, it depends. I don't have like a specific uh, domain or scope of a project that actually makes me happy or unhappy. That's to be honest. But then, at the other side of things, yeah, uh, we built a couple of stuff way back in school. So kind of like, I consider myself an entrepreneur in training. So yeah, I think whenever, 
Uh, we launch a solution, yeah, and we see users, I mean, signing up and using the products. That actually gives me a lot of joy. So at the entrepreneurial side of things here, when people are using our products, why not? Yeah. It brings a lot of fun home. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, because what I've, what I've seen so far about the tech space in Ghana is, is growing a lot, right? There are a lot of people coming out of the university interested more into tech. And then these people are also conducting posts that are also saying that majority of the population are also not happy in their roles. Now, I'm just trying to make a relation in here to see that is this research affecting our populace? Like, does it hate us that people are not happy and is it impacting um, the African space or the African tech space? Because, right. I mean, it could be global too. Do we really think this unhappiness then is affecting the tech space either in Africa or globally? Okay, so, I mean, talking about the happiness thing and a lot of people not being happy from, I mean, from what I know, happiness in work is kind of like tied to numbers. I mean, salary that people earn. So, so long as there will be like a fluctuation in the amount people earn mentally, not actually like fluctuation in the specific amount, but then their living cost actually fluctuates. That's actually going to affect how people are going to be happy because then people are actually happy based on how much money they make and that kind of stuff. So the relationship between the money that people make and their cost of living has, a, a, I mean, the tendency to actually make them happy or unhappy. Yeah, so basically there are times that people will be happy. I mean, if we pick a group of people over a period of time, there's, uh, I mean, among that same group of people, there's a tendency of being happy, a group of some group of people being happy uh, at a particular period and being unhappy, taking the same money, living under, uh, under the same circumstances. So, yeah, it could be like quite a lot of external factors that actually affect uh, the money people make. Yeah, that could actually, uh, you know. Uh, um, I, I would say that I don't think it's necessarily the money alone. Uh, I don't think it affects this 85% um, includes a lot of the tech people in tech because I think what makes people unhappy is uh, repetitive, tedious tasks. And we ask, uh, okay, maybe depending on the company you are, because why uh, my current role, I get to innovate and uh, work on new stuff every day. So I think the novelty brings a kind of uh, if we are putting it as happiness yeah the novelty brings a kind of happiness in my role but i think generally in the tech space as long as you get to innovate and as long as you get to build new stuff in the tech space i think more people are happy happier in the tech space than everywhere else well i think that's that's exciting and it makes a lot of sense though. But one thing I want to ask about um, this work and happiness life balance draws down to the early stages of people's career. Because I know this is a this might be a big problem, not just into the tech space, because um, as we draw or as we live our life, as we try to progress through our career, we start from a point always, right? And I feel like maybe this sort of question could be um, if we could start looking at this question from the very beginning of our career, what are the things that we are doing or what are the things that we need to do that can lead us either into this happiness path if we are missing it out, right? So I feel like we should try and tackle this right from the beginning. So I know 
most of us, um, I knew, uh, I mean, like we just started off our career and I just want to ask about some of these things. What, what do you think would be some of the situations or what do we think are some of the factors that are not going to make people happy in their role if they are not, and then will make people happy, you know? Okay, so from our point of view, mostly if we have been, I mean, quite honest, stuff that people love doing, which actually in turn makes them happy, don't necessarily, or most at times, actually at the beginning stages, pay their bills. So most people basically work, I mean, we all work to actually pay bills. So they do what they have to do because they have to do it, not really because they want to do it. So yeah, that could be like a very major take that actually uh, make people quite unhappy in their roles. Yeah, I'm going to stress on that again. Uh, there are the things you love to do might necessarily might not necessarily be paying you enough to take care of your bills so you have to do something else in order to actually be able to take care of your bills and so long as you are doing something that you are not so much interested in of course you are eventually going to lose interest and it's actually going to affect your i mean your mood how happy you are or how unhappy you are the only thing that could compensate for that is how much money you're actually making that's going to take care of your bills so, I mean, you are working to pay bills. If you get paid quite a high amount of money, yeah, that could actually take care of some of the tool off and you could actually buy some time to do some of the things you actually love doing. That, that might actually, in case, bring you some happiness to balance it out. I mean, that's my point of view. So, yeah. Uh, that's why I don't know, but then if you look carefully in the tech space, the moment people start making quite a lot of money, you see that they start practicing things that actually gives them happiness, but necessarily don't be, bring money their way. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense a lot, because you know what you see, most people started, I mean, we're just doing one now, but YouTube and then podcasts, plus a whole lot of other things that people get involved in, because it, it tends out to be like side gigs or side roles, things that people want to just try it out. It feels like they are so much into tech that at the point they feel like they are losing meaning in their life. <laughs> so I don't know. Now, Reginald made a point, and I think um, it, it did click me a lot. He, he was like, um, our work is supposed to bring some significance to us, right? And then the, um, to the purpose of our lives and all that. And if we don't find that in our work, it sort of makes it difficult for us to sort of continue with it. Um, can you throw more light on that? Um, what I think is uh, mostly when we are out of school uh, as new people, where um, as Sadam said, we are, we are not necessarily looking to be happy in our rules. The concentration is more on being able to pay bills and all that. So um, there is the reason why I think um, young people need to look at stuff where they could gain happiness is I think happiness or working in something you're interested in directly correlates with how much you can put in. And I think um with when you are having something you work more at it so i i think in, in a way it's bad that people go for what brings them money because i think <laughs> i think interest interest uh, would make a more balanced life than um going for at stuff for the money but but, okay so you see what Reginald is talking about is the ideal situation uh, unfortunately we don't actually live in an ideal world like and things are not as i mean don't happen as you you plan it to happen right 
So we are not living an ideal world that you get the opportunity to actually, you know, do the things you love and put in enough effort, but then at the same time make enough or that could happen along the way, but not necessarily in your beginning stages if we are quite being frank with ourselves. And me, as I always say, money is enough motivation. Trust me, I don't care. I mean, well, I don't care what my, most people say about it, but then money, money was, will, and will always, <laughs> I think money is and will always remain enough motivation to make things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wherever. Whether you are trying to, starting to build a new company, you are building your own company, or you are working for someone, or money, money remains a motivation. I mean, top, top motivation. In fact, hiring the best talent if you are building your own company revolves around how much you can pay. Right, the yeah. bigger the company, the more money they pay, the more talent they get. I mean, that's, that makes a lot of sense because um, yeah. as you start off in your career, I mean, the, the environment also plays a role. If if you're able to get things up easily, sometimes you might not focus so much on trying to make the money, but trying to make life meaningful. Right? Like like you said, Reginald, trying to find purpose in that work. So I think as we go along, there's a lot uh, there are factors that play into um, our happiness in our work. Now, I'd love for us to talk more about the money, right? the conversation, because I mean, I think that is one of the biggest factors now. As, as we started this whole conversation, money is always popping in and in and in. So I want to talk about the conversation, right? The conversation bit is what I want us to focus on now. Back on the conversa- uh, conversational compensation, right? Now, in, was it 20? 2020 or 2021, I'm not sure. Um, Sedem, can you clarify? 2020. Yeah, so Hackler Foundation released a research on salary for software engineers in Ghana. And the research was around this. Um, 61.8% of people said they are not actively looking for roles or they are not actively hoping for roles. <clears throat> 5.5 people said, yes, they are not interested. And 32.7 people said they are actually looking for work. Now, it's funny, out of all this um, research, I realized the numbers or um, the highest compensation, or let me see, the number of people that were paid um, around, I don't know if I should say the minimum amount of people. I, I, I just, the number sounds so weird. I just, I, just don't, I don't know how to sort of put it, but this is it. 42.5% of the total populace who did the research or the survey said they are taking less than 1,500 Ghana cities. Right? Yeah. Now, I, I don't know what this talk or what, what the exchange rate is now for us to do this, but I probably guess it's going to be less than $200. <laughs> or maybe around $200, yes, I think. Yeah. So, back to the conversation of um, compensation. Looks like uh, a, in a way, in a way, or let me say, ideally, it shouldn't be a problem, right? But it looks like it, this is the environment we find ourselves in, right? And we have no way of trying to counterattack this or trying to go around this. Now, I know Sedem, like I said, as you are coming into a newer career or as you are joining a new career or as you are finding a career in the tech space, this um, that's, that's, that's the whole point of our living. We are all thinking about money. We all, and that's the reason why we went to school. That's the reason why we are trying to go up higher in our career. We want money. <laughs> we need to get money, right? Now, I, I like the point that Reginald also gave about finding purpose. Now, doesn't mean if you try to find purpose in your work, you won't make as much money. Or doesn't mean you need to follow the money in your career in order to make more. And then. 
back again on the question in the African tech space, how do you not fall in between these numbers, right? Because like we said, out of the hundred percent of people who did the research, forty-two point five people said they're taking less than thousand five hundred Ghana cities. And I tell you, this in this economy now is bad. Okay, then, but then to be fair, that's about two years back. I think 2020, 2021 area. So, I mean, I'm sure by now things might actually, looking at the way economy is right now, nobody can, well, people are surviving on less than that, but then a lot of people cannot actually survive on that. So, yeah, I'm sure companies will do some adjustment to meet up with the inflation rates uh, that we have currently. But then, talking about working for money or working for purpose, right? Finding purpose in life is kind of like a, a grand thing, like something that, I mean, almost everybody will want to achieve before they leave this dimension. And I see nothing wrong with that. But then, trust me, uh, you do that wrongly and you, you might regret it for the rest of your life. Because then you need enough money to actually even pursue your purpose, the so-called purpose you are in, in search of. So, I mean, entering the tech space, unless, of course, you have, like, rich parents or rich uncles that or you have a rich brother or like i mean some good friends that are actually giving you enough money to give you the the comforts to actually just do something that you want to do yeah. or let's say you are lucky enough which might actually be 0.1 percent of the whole people that are venturing to take yeah, lucky enough to get like something you really love doing and still being paid enough money for it to actually be happy uh, apart from that, trust me, your first few years in tech is going to be between being sad and being happy, depending <laughs> on projects, as I said earlier on. Yeah, but then along the line, if you make enough money, I mean, you could go ahead and, as I said, building stuff and launching them make me happy. So, but then I need enough money to actually venture into that full time. So, yeah, if I make a lot of money and I feel like I'm comfortable enough, and maybe at that time I don't feel like building as well. I could become an angel investor or something like that. And it still, it will still give me joy. But then just at this part of my life, I can't just manage both of that and still survive. So yeah, that makes sense a lot. Because even the resources you need in your tech career, the resources you need to pay for it in your tech career. Of course, you, you need softwares. You have to pay for softwares. Exactly. You have to pay for hardware. You have to pay for data. Uh, you have to pay for, I mean, get an, a nice working space. You have to buy courses. I mean, I could just go exactly. along and keep listing all the things you need to pay for. There are free resources out there, but then let's be frank, how, how, how far can a free resource take you? Maybe that's the software side of things, but then on the hardware side of things, I'm, I'm here to see any company <laughs> dashing out free hardware. That makes sense. <laughs> Unless, of course, somebody's paying for it or me, you are getting it from us. Yeah, that's, that's true. Because to enhance your growth, it looks like you need the money, and if you don't get the money, that starts you growth a little bit. I, I wouldn't say that that would, that would be the ideal situation because, like you said, there are some free courses around that you could take. But it looks like if you if you have money, you can push in more resources to help speed up your growth. And um, yeah, that makes sense a lot. But what do you have to say about that, Reginald? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know earlier you had some counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't like money. I, I pro- I'm probably more. Uh, Probably, like you said, you, you have the money already, so you didn't need. Oh no, 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 no! It's not like I have the money already. But I, when I say purpose-driven, it's not like you can't take uh, what is available to you. But I mean that you do not lose sight of what you want to become or what you you set out to do. 
So um, in the matter of interest, when you uh, when you like throw away interest or purpose, you realize that that's how people get stuck in where they are. That's how you see the percentage of people not yeah. wanting to leave, to leave yeah. their current role because they are scared or they are not sure of the market. But I think when people are more purpose driven or they are they they would like to be more daring towards their interests. That's the way they could achieve more. It's not like I do not want the money, but I think as long as you do not lose sight of maybe what you you set out to do or what might generally bring you joy, it's, I mean, what I'm saying is a harder part. It's just, <laughs> it's just easier to stay in your current role that you get to pay the bill, but, um, one thing I've learned recently about is the ratcheries where you end up um, making enough. We'll say it here, hand to mouth. <laughs> you just always make enough to survive and you'd be okay with it because you put away purpose and interest. But I think as long as you don't lose sight of that, you you work towards something. And I think that's the point I was trying to put across. Yeah, that's quite interesting because... Um, back to the research again. It's funny how 61.8% of the people said they are not actively looking for work. Meanwhile, 42% of the, 42.5% uh, of the population are even taking less than 1,500. And yeah, I mean, it, it turns out to be like, like you said, maybe fear of um, jumping into the unknown. Like, I think said of course, of course. Then I mean, a lot of people actually find it difficult to even believe in themselves in the first place. Yeah. They are comfortable where they are. But then to buttress what uh, uh, Reginald said earlier on, finding purpose, somebody's purpose is actually to make a lot of money. Don't, I mean, not <laughs> yeah. so, so in chasing some money, somebody could actually be chasing their purpose, honestly. Somebody's purpose here is just to make, I mean, and, and I said all, all these convictions come about by, I mean, the experiences we all have growing up personally, right? I find that people basically tend to chase more what they lack. So people growing up that were not exposed, I mean, don't have access to a lot of opportunities and resources. I mean, you could guess what they will be interested in getting for the rest of their life, right? I mean, but then if you are lucky enough to actually uh, have uh, people around you or have people support, support, supporting around you, and resources and opportunities are not much more of a problem. Of course, you'll be open up to actually uh, living purposes or finding purposes higher than yourself, uh, serving people in general, right? Trying to achieve something that, that does not only uh, kind of like make you and people close to you happy, but trying to help, I mean, let's say humanity as a whole. So yeah, if you look at this critically, it, 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 it all stems from where exactly the person is coming from, where they are trying to get you. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I, I like the submission you gave because uh, you, you spoke some, uh, you spoke about um, people not believing in themselves. And I don't want to bring up this conversation again because I know imposter syndrome is one of the biggest <laughs> things in tech. That would be another conversation. But I, I, I just want to put in uh, more thoughts on how this would work for people coming into tech because this is quite funny like we are talking about we needing money to help us grow meanwhile we are new in tech 
we just started our career. We are not making enough to help us grow. <laughs> I mean, like, look at all these things. We just started talking about courses, the materials, the resources you need. Like, come on, look at the charges for AWS. <laughs> I mean, but you want to be a DevOps engineer, you need to learn how. To. So it looks like the, the, you need to find out um, either you get opportunity or you get resources from your workplace. Or you do. And like Reginald is saying, you need to find a purpose. But then how do you find a purpose if you don't get the materials <laughs> yeah, that help you find a purpose? So I think this is what I was touching on first, right? That, I mean, in life, things are like uh, stratified, one before one. You, you, you jump a step and there's a high possibility of casualty, right? Yeah. So yeah, entering space, uh, sorry, entering to the tech space, Let's assume money is your motivation. Honestly, trust me, if money is your motivation entering the tech space, I think within four, three or four years, you should actually go very far, to be honest with you. Because then entering, you will be paid something that you will not actually be happy with. But then to be paid more than you have to know more. I mean, he, he who has, how they call it, who, he who much is given, much is expected of. So of course, your capabilities are going to actually, I'm sure if you were to, uh, dive into the raw data that actually came up with these statistics, you will notice that most people that are actually earning, uh, you could notice that a, a, a less, a, a very low percentage is earning quite a lot of money. Yeah. And they are kind of like at the, at the top. So these are the people that are actually uh, quite experienced and know quite a lot. Then you realize that the people that are earning almost uh, to nothing, are just doing like normal stuff, stuff that are not too difficult. Then as I always said, if it's not difficult, everybody would have done it, yeah, right? That's true. Yeah, I think. Those, yeah. So those if, if, if money, if money becomes your motivation, of course you 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 will learn hard. But then the, the problem, I understand. I mean, I agree with Reginald to a point because the, the issue is that when you focus on money for, I mean, uh, focus on money too much to the extent that you actually don't end up finding your purpose. I think that's where there's a discordance, right? Uh, I think... Uh, but don't you think money can help you find that purpose? <laughs> <laughs> I personally... I mean, that's the... Personally... Me when personally, you have the money, you can explore. Me personally, <laughs> that, that's my... I mean, that's the point I'm making. But then I, I think I fairly understand Reginald as well. You know, getting money could actually be addictive, just like every other thing. Yeah. Things that you do over time. You get money is numbers basically. I mean, this is me trying to contradict myself over here. Yeah. Money is numbers, so you can never make like money to the extent be like, oh, okay, eventually I have enough, so I don't think I need to make more money. The more money you make, you just realize the more money you could actually make. Yeah. So you might actually get carried away and eventually. Mm, but Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are still looking for money. So. <laughs> of course, they are still. These guys are actually battling out who will be the number one, that kind of. Yeah. So yeah, they are still looking for money, but I believe they are chasing their purpose as well, or at least that's what they they make us <laughs> believe. I, I don't yeah. know which is which, but uh, I think Reginald have a better take on that. Too. Uh, so for new people entering to take. Uh, the market is honestly saturated. When you when you look at where we are, it's rather unfortunate. But you'd realize that there are not enough opportunities that are paying enough. In any way, um, as Adam said, like very few percentage of us get the opportunity to be in good places where we are allowed to grow and um, get the money to find our purpose, as Butchie said. But uh, I think. The problem with um, 
our space um, in Ghana and maybe in Africa is when these people come new into tech, it's uh, their motivations are not aligned well. You mean it's the tech pressure? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, a lot I mean, of the, <laughs> you get so confused, you want to buy a MacBook <laughs> yeah, in the first year. There's, there's this pressure where um, everyone wants to get like maybe the MacBook and look like that techie and I mean, all this. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, people's, people's motivations are not uh, right for getting into the tech space. If you are in tech because you find out that this is something I'm good at and this is something I want to do in the long term, then I don't think, even if it's not right at the moment you start out, in the long term you realize that you become one of those few high-ending people because when you came into tech it wasn't that I learned maybe one or two frameworks and um, changing money I go to a firm and I try and get the raise and that's that's how you get stuck right but if you come in with uh, this kind of ambition to grow and to learn and this kind there are, there are different type of tech people and if you come in as the one with the vibe the Silicon Valley vibe who wants, a cool, the cool <laughs> <laughs> who wants to change uh, like stuff and wants to build something new you realize that the Steve long, Jobs of our generation yeah the right? Steve Jobs but if you're um, passion, so your interests are aligned, right? I, I, maybe this is my personal opinion, but I think those are the people who end up going far in our spaces. Okay, I think the only part that I don't actually agree with uh, Reginald is saying the tech space is actually saturated. The number actually says otherwise. I mean, I'm a servant of data, so I respect data. Okay. <laughs> data actually suggests, uh, I mean, we still need more people. I think uh, getting it from your point is you are trying to say people should we say the lower echelon people are the uh, the foot of the pyramid are yeah. quite I mean we all know how a pyramid looks like the base is broad yeah. pinnacle is high and thin and up yeah. high so yeah quite there are quite a lot of people that know how to do like simple tax with regards to let's say development I'm not trying to say development is easy but then I mean, if you, if you get what I'm trying to say, people like doing like uh, non stuff that people could learn about three weeks or a month. I mean, yeah, yeah quite, there are quite a lot of people doing that. So you don't expect anybody to pay quite a lot of money for uh, <laughs> doing that, right? Then, as I said again, as I, as I, said, uh, I, I said, said earlier on, sorry. <laughs> as I said earlier on, if money is your, it's your motivation, and money is actually motivation, I personally believe you go very far. <laughs> Because then, trust me, money is your motivation. To get much more money, you need to be at the top. Yeah. So if money is your motivation and to get the money is to be at the top, you start looking for what to do to get to the top. top yeah. I, I don't know if you get my point. Yeah, right? that makes sense. It's like, I mean, this is not related, but I think I have to make this an example. This example. It's like a boy chasing a girl, right? A boy chasing a girl. I don't know if this story will make it interesting for you. I remember back in high school, then there was this uh, guy that really liked a particular girl. But then, unfortunately for him, the the girl is only interested in people that are quite, I mean, intelligent, quote unquote, people that are making it to the <laughs> top ten or top something of the school. Yeah. But then, uh, uh, fortunately, and unfortunately for this guy, my school then times had a system that placed everybody. 
I mean, like if there are a thousand people in the school, you could know your position by just looking at your reports. Oh, yes. <laughs> your reports. So, yeah, this guy was not doing so, so well. But then the girl became her moti- his motivation. And yeah, the guy really wanted the girl. So I think it took the guy only two semesters to actually enter the top 30, <laughs> right? <laughs> in the whole school. And that was quite impressive. But guess what? Funny enough, when the guy actually ended up getting to where no. they go on the, he actually <laughs> shot the girl. But then he realized that no, there are better girls compared to wow. this. So I don't know if you get my point. So yeah, like if sense. anything that becomes your motivation, a purpose could be uh, I don't think purpose in particular could actually be motivation at the early beginning of a career. If that's your motivation and it's truly your motivation, then you could end up <coughs> sorry. You could end up building a company, but then we all know building a company still, I mean, has to do with money. This is where the issue is. So, <laughs> so I mean, you have good intentions, but then the means to actually make your intentions happen, it's not available to you. Yeah. Right. I, I, it's a very dicey situation. Yeah. That makes I mean, sense. from my point of view. So yeah, I I, I really like uh, Reginald's point of view. In an ideal world. Reginald's, uh, I mean, point of view worked perfectly out for me. Unfortunately, apart from ideal gas in chemistry, nothing is ideal in this world. I'm sorry to say. That's, that's, that's nice, yeah, because it feels like now at this point, um, when you're new in tech, you, your focus is now blinded. You are not sure whether to follow the path that will lead you to your early Dallas, right? Or you should follow the track, the purpose-driven track, if I should say, to um, stay loyal in a way for a while for you to get the numbers again clocking. Now, because uh, we've, we've been popping in more on money, money, this thing about loyalty is also dropping down. We, we are starting to think, okay, so if you want to find your purpose, that means it will take a while. and then. As it's going to take a while, you need to be loyal in a way to some sort of company. You know you're not going to make enough, right? But you want to be loyal to build up the skills for the career or for the path you want to take in. Now, I'm just going to throw this in again. What do you think about, or what, what do you think are the indicators that will make someone stay in a company for a while? Reginald, um, do you want for, to go for, first? For this one, I'll say compensation. <laughs> <laughs> so, it looks like we are still coming back to my beginning. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm usually at the other end, but for this, I think well, uh, a big driver of loyalty is compensation. And um, I think uh, I've been friends with Butcher for a while, and he says something a lot about um, usually companies having a clear structure to the top. and uh, if you know how much you have to put in to gain more, I think people are more um, likely to work uh, harder at staying at one place, something like that. So I think that that drives loyalty a lot. Compensation drives loyalty a lot. Okay, talking about loyalty, I think for somebody, no, not even about loyalty. I mean, things that show that uh, what did you? What was your question? Things yeah, that show that indicators someone, that indicators yeah. that someone will something indicators that will convince someone yeah, to stay, stay longer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think those are to me have to be personal. It will be an array of things, not particularly just one the thing. Money. Yeah, because <laughs> then I mean, money is. I mean, money remains the top of the list. But then aside money, there are quite a couple of factors. Uh, where is the person going? What are the goals and plans? Uh, how long will he have to work in a week? Uh, what's the pressure he has to cope with? Uh, is there room for learning? Is there room to become a better person? I mean, there, there's quite an array of questions of which I agree that money remains the top of it all. Yeah. But then, if you have to relocate and weather conditions, there, there's quite a lot to actually consider. Is the person single? Is he married? Because then if you are single, you could basically just throw yourself to any part of the world and just go and do whatever you want to yeah. do. But the moment you are married and you have kids, then of course you are looking at you are not going to move alone move with other people other human beings they deserve their comfort as well the decision then is not only dependent on you because yeah. then you have to listen to the other side before you attend yeah I think all of that so yeah uh, looking at that side of things I think uh, it, it has quite a lot of factors uh, but then talking about loyalty I have only one thing to say uh, stay loyal to what stay loyal to you. To you. It, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And do you think it's worth it in this tech space? Because I feel like, um, like you said, once you get into this role and then you start picking up a few skills, you realize other companies will start looking out to you. And that's the big thing about tech. Um, they will come in with the money, they will come in with the things that will, I, I don't want to say convince you or sort of make you feel like this, this is the best. And like Reginald is saying, leading a purpose-driven life in one way or the other might you need money to need that life too because you want to go into this path now clearly like you said um Sedem said if you want to jump into or if you want to go to one another country to work and all that sometimes you need the money in order to relocate you need the money to do this so you have a purpose maybe i want to work i want to work in one of the big silicon valley companies so that means i need to relocate to the states or i need to find a job there now there are a lot of things that start coming in if i don't get a company that will sponsor my stuff that I need to do that myself. Then that means I need to work for a company or make enough in order to do that relocation and all that. So I I'm kind of I'm sort of confused right now to agree with one side because it feels like the money is more important, but then also having a purpose uh, or uh, uh, with something uh, as loyalty as we've all like said that yeah. it's a very fragile topic and might depend on a lot of factors. I think generally as uh, as newcomers in the tech space also, we should think uh, of loyalty as something we need to also practice instead of something that's left to external factors. Yeah. Because um, companies do notice when you jump from one place to another and you'd want to ideally stay at a company for a while before you move, even if, uh, although they might not be paying enough, but the idea of loyalty might not only be uh, in the sense of something that comes from the company, but it might also be a virtue that you might want to have as a young person in tech. Okay, I said again, looking at loyalty, I said once in a young, stay loyal to what stay loyal to you. I mean, to me, that's fair enough. Stay loyal to your purpose. Is that what Reginald is trying to say? What if my purpose is to move to another country? 
Yeah, that makes sense because some people want to explore, right? <laughs> What's in my purpose is money. Yeah, and that right. makes sense. I, I, as I said earlier, people consider a lot of factors growth, and or I, I personally am not a fan of believing that a longer a person stays as a company means that they are loyal to that company. No, it's because the company is, is meeting their needs. Yeah, that's where they are staying. Somebody could actually stay for three months, but actually, honestly, be much more loyal to that company than somebody that stayed quite a lot of. But depending on the opportunities the person is getting from where they are actually staying. So loyalty in business, I mean, trust, if you are talking about trust, then fine. But then loyalty in business, I don't actually see where it fits that much. It's not like in this, especially in the time of, in the time, uh, how do you call it? in the setting of the employer-employee. Yeah. I think what employer-employee needs between them should have to do with trust. I mean, at the time that you're working particularly. Lawyer, I mean, what are you being loyal to? The company? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe I'm not getting the, could you please read the, I mean, definition of loyalty? Maybe that will help clarify. Probably Google, Google could be yeah, our best bet now. Exactly, because then, uh, maybe I'm not getting something right because then a company is not loyal to you. They will replace you. I mean, uh, the quality of being loyal, a strong yeah. feeling of support. Yes. Yeah. So from Google, it says loyal or loyalty is a strong feeling of support and allegiance. Okay. It does not state any time frame or anything. Exactly. So you get my point, right? It does not actually, as I said earlier on, it has nothing to do with how long or how short I stay with the company. I should be, my loyalty should be measured within the time frame I stayed with the company. The time frame not being that it's long or short. At that particular period, have I done anything that will actually bring the name of the company in disrepute. Yeah, that's your execution exactly. line with... Was I productive? Oil. Yes. Was I holding my end of the agreement? If I, I mean, I answer yes to all of that, then yes, of course, I was being loyal. But I don't think loyalty should be measured based on how long or how short I stayed. My actions and inactions within the period or the time span when I was staying at that particular company, should it's why I should be scrutinized to check if I was lawyer or not lawyer, but not because I I decided okay after one month I'm leaving. Of course, if the the contract I signed, I mean joining in and later realized that no, I mean this is not right. I'm not being treated right. I have every right to actually call for a relook. And if the company is not interested in relooking, that means I'm not valid enough, and I'll go where I'm valued and celebrated. Life is quite short. I cannot. I mean. Let's be realistic. How long are we living here? A couple of decades, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, to be honest with you, I can stay with a company for only one month, but if within those that one month that I stay with a company, I give off my best and, I mean, I did everything I have to do to make sure the company progress. Of course, I'm being loyal. And somebody stays with a company for 10 years, but then they've not been uh, diligent in their dealings with the company. They are disloyal. Yeah. Regardless of the time we spend at a particular company. Yeah, and then funny enough, we spend entirety of our day at work. So that means we are spending almost all our lives exactly. at work. So talking about happiness that we started a conversation with. with again. If a contract is no more satisfying my, I mean, my terms, they are not living up to their terms. How do I stay back and call that loyalty? That's like shooting myself in the foot. Like. So that means happiness also draws down to loyalty. Yes, Sally. 
Mm-hmm. But because it's an agreement, if I stay for one month, of course, if I the moment is it one thing I like about myself is I don't know about other people. If you convince me to actually agree to do something, for the time being that I've actually agreed that I'll do, I'll give up my best. Yeah. But then I'm vocal. So if I'm not feeling comfortable, you don't expect me to keep quiet. I will yeah. I will actually uh, you know uh, talk about my displeasure. Yeah. Yeah. You will notice it. Right, so this this is this is quite funny. I mean, we we've spoken a lot about loyalty, compensation, but I think there is one bit that I want to bring in again: the future of work, right? In tech now. Now we we spoke about compensation and all that, and realize now the tech companies here are not paying enough, and it sounds funny, but there are now remote opportunities from. Um, other companies or uh, abroad, companies abroad that are paying more than what our locals are paying. And now that brings back the question of compensation again. If you think the locals are not paying you enough, you might choose not to be that lawyer and then follow the track where you can now start doing your remote roles. Just go on board, start hitting up all these remote companies and then start applying, start working for them and then start getting right Now, Mojo, the best part is... You are not done, but then I think <laughs> I will not agree with you on this one. Yeah. Not be lawyer. How is staying at a particular role and applying for a different role not being lawyer? <laughs> no, I, I think... At this point, no, like, like, let's be honest. That, that has nothing... We are looking for... See, the place you are working right now, right? Yeah. You were at a particular place before you moved to where you are now. Yeah. What did that... At that particular time you apply, you don't need to stop a role before you apply for the next role. No, you don't. If not, your recruiter will ask you, what were you doing within this... At uh, the gap in yeah. between? Do you tell a recruiter that you stop your previous job just to live for the job you have now no I think nobody really does that you always yeah. pick up the room so sure I just want to clarify that, that no I, st- I mean maybe it was a slip of tongue I can't tell but then <laughs> I would not agree to the fact that just because I'm at a particular company and looking for another remote role not that I'm bringing both together I mean yeah. looking for it the, if I'm actually at a company taking full time payment yeah. and actually doing remote work at the blind side of my employer Fine, that I will agree is not being lawyer. Yeah, lawyer, okay. exactly. Yeah, but then looking for the role just because I'm working working for it. If you consider that not being lawyer, then I'm afraid. Uh, so that means at this point we, we sort of clear out loyalty in the real sense. That means the loyalty doesn't really mean you staying there for a long time or you just working out better, but you being productive or you doing what is expected of you to do at work. Um, do you have any catch on that, Reginald? Um, about loyalty at work. <laughs> I think Sedem, in a way, uh, this is one thing I agree with Sedem on, on loyalty not being, uh, in a way, it being a two way thing. So, as long as your company is loyal to you, you can be loyal to your company, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're not searching for other opportunities because if they could pay someone less for what you do. Believe me, they don't do it. They're not thinking They're not thinking twice about it. Well. As I said, uh, loyalty you could think of as a virtue. And uh, I don't believe you should be any place you're not comfortable at. But although we all want to advance rapidly in our careers, we should also consider the fact that 
the staying longer at a company could help us go better and not necessarily jumping from one place to another. No, you see, you earlier on stated about, uh, I think when we were talking about, uh, I can't remember what we were talking about, but it stated about if there's a clear-cut road to the yeah, top. I think we were talking about co- compensation. Yeah. Of course, you are working towards a goal. So yeah. if you have a bigger end in mind, you, would, you wouldn't actually mind taking what you are taking up. Yeah. And another point, you still feel like you are moving into a new role. Exactly. Just as the same organization. Yeah. But a new role, bigger role, bigger money. You see, it's money is something. So yeah, but then if if you honestly feel, let's say where you are right now, right, Reginald, in the next few three years uh, from now, you I mean you change roles and you'll be paying let's say times twenty five or what you have right now, but you have a road that will pay you like times fifty next month. To be are honest, you are you being <laughs> very honest, what will you be doing? I'm gone. <laughs> so at this point, at this point, it's like Reginald is not really thinking about the purpose-driven life that he's trying to put up to us. It is purpose-driven. The purpose is to advance in my career, and if it's fifty times, it's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough advancement. I think we are ready to talk about the future of F- work. Funny enough, it sounds like <laughs> compensation or the money is what leads us to our purpose-driven life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think let's let's push back to the future of our work now. Um, I think we started this and we, we jumped back to loyalty again because this this still intertwined. Now, like I'm saying, it, it sounds like the future of our work now is being more remote because it's easier to work for companies outside. And I'm not only trying to relate it to working for companies outside too. Local companies are also trying to do remote where you could stay at home and then work. What what do you think about that? Do you think that will be the future of work in, I'm not going to say Africa because we are here, but globally, do you think that's going to be the future of work and then here to how, how do you think it's going to affect um, our work? Okay. Personally, I think remote work is actually going to favor companies a lot if they, if they look at it very carefully. Because then uh, I understand a company uh, cannot go entirely remotely. They still need a physical office that, I mean, some corporate organizations before other companies would deal with it, they need a fiscal address to actually maybe once in a while meeting or deliver something, something of that sort. So from my own view, people in top management positions, uh, not all of them, but then some of them might once in a while have to actually show up in person, not entirely mostly. But then everything that can be automated, every person in that role should actually, companies should consider making it remote because then Remote saves the company money as well. Uh, save money from uh, real estate. Yeah. You don't have to pay for office space, pay for uh, power, pay for internet. I mean, so they could actually roll that into onto pay uh, pay uh, the employees. Uh, they call it uh, salary and end up paying the employees much more money, which is actually going to increase their happiness. And guess what? When people are much more happy, they become very much more productive. Motivated. <laughs> motivated, productive, and be a lawyer as well. I mean, I mean, it, it sounds it, like competition. Exactly. So, <laughs> looks like remotes could go a long way to solve a lot of problems that, I mean, uh, we face currently in the in the workspace. That's actually my my view uh, on the remote side of things. So yeah, I so believe that. Remote is the future. It might take some time, but then eventually most roles are actually going to become 
remote and hopefully people can live a purposeful life as suggested by my friend uh reaching out and at the same time make enough money then everybody's happy as well i think remote actually could solve this happiness issue because <laughs> then people could be chilling be on vacation and still be delivering working, you right. know? there could be a beach everywhere you get it <laughs> I, think, I, I think remote actually might actually be the answer to all of this what do you think right now <laughs> remote that sound nice um but i i do like the idea of remote and i think everyone does like the idea of remote Worldwide, I think remote can be good for uh, the work environment as a whole and drive, like, lead us better to happiness. But um, as an African, as a Ghanaian, I, you would need to also think about what remote means for us here in the country because uh, oftentimes because of our compensation issue, uh, when we try to go remote, it's not so that we can stay remote at our companies. Not many people, not many people uh, want to stay remote at their companies here in Ghana. If uh, if you want remote, I'm sure every tech person who is trying to get remote, including myself, <laughs> is searching for a company outside because I mean better compensation for the work you you decided to do and the work you love. Yeah. So I think there's a big question around what remote means for us in our country and what remote means a lot for work here in Africa. Yeah. Now, still on remote, um, there's a research that says that um, 21%, there's a 21% reduction in productivity for staffs who feel isolated, right? So as they are working in isolation, their productivity draws down to like around 21%. What do you have to say about that? What are the measures companies are supposed to take in place to help um, sort of sort these issues out? Because if the future of work would be remote eventually, then we need to find um, ways, not just the companies per se, but what are the individuals? What are we supposed to be doing to help um, came out such issues or such productivity issues. Thankfully, the the report said when people are isolated. Isolated. <laughs> Funny enough, people could be in a physical space with others and still feel isolated. <laughs> Connection, in my view, in this current world, has nothing to do with people having physical contacts. Yeah. Of course, people are still able to maintain long long distance relationships. What is much more difficult than that? Working. No. I think uh, the onus now lies on the, I mean, on the HRs to actually find better ways or better platforms to keep the employees uh, uh, engaged, right? Yeah, that's the best thing they have to do. I mean, the same thing they do physically, organizing meetups and uh, things that they have to do to keep them motivated and active enough to interact with each other. I know some companies have their own uh, small social media spaces that only the uh, employ, employee, employees get to interact with each other, they post interactive contents, they they have fun meetups, just like how you guys do when you are doing your virtual uh, uh, sorry, when you are doing your spring sessions, the Kahoots oh, okay. yeah, they play interactive yeah. games and yeah, people get to sort of team bonding exercises to keep so the team. same team bonding stuff they do when they meet up physically, they could 
now actually transfer into a virtual space. Space. And yeah, people will get yeah, people could be in the house but actually so immersed in work they don't even realize they're in the house. And people could actually be in the workspace. So, so isolated, they, they feel like they're in the house. Yeah, that's so that's isolation, I don't think have anything to do with uh, the physical location or the distance that a person have from their team members. Yeah. It, it's a thing of emotion. So if they could handle that, yeah, mm-hmm. I think everything should be okay. Um, from my side, I personally don't know much about the more isolation, less Sounds work. like you are no more isolation. <laughs> <laughs> more isolation, less work kind of thing. Because if I was to sum up my work in the office and the, my work in the house, my work in the house five seats, my work in the office, but the numbers can't lie, and that means that there's probably a problem somewhere. So as Sadem said, as long as we could, if the advantage of being in the office was um, being able to bond and being able to have interactions with other people. I think it's not very difficult to transfer that to um, the virtual space. Uh, I, I work hybridly, so I, I kind of get to see uh, what things feels like in the workspace and what feel, things feels like at home. And for my team, I believe it's there's not much of a difference. It's hard to notice because we carry the same culture we have in the workplace to the virtual environment. So as long as I think companies manage to carry the same culture or carry uh, the same team bonding activities and all that to the virtual environment, I think it might be less bleak for remote work. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Now, I know this is the future of work and we know remote is coming and it won't be going anywhere. We'll definitely be jumping into more remote roles. And I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's a good way to help um, the parents, I, I won't say we the parents, but the parents, because once you have a child, um, you have a child at home, you could have some days off so that you can spend some quality time with your family too and then maybe also be working there. So, I mean, there are good sides to it. The isolation might probably be with maybe um, you not connecting more with your people at work. But let's let's end with something interesting. Now, we've, we've spoken a lot about compensation and then how compensation leads to loyalty <laughs> and things, but how, what, what will make you stand out in this tech space, how, how, what are you, what are you supposed to do to make you earn more? Because <laughs> right? it looks like the money is the big thing now. So what are we supposed to do to make more money as engineers in this current um, space? Again, data don't lie. <laughs> don't lie. The people that they, that get paid quite a lot of money have two things: experience and skills. Unfortunately, experience can only be gained over <laughs> the years, but now skills can always be gained, I mean, as fast as you can absorb the things you learn and actually show working. As we say down here, show working. <laughs> After show working, right, just don't talk. Yeah, yeah, actually show working. Like, you, you practically show that you are capable of what, I mean, everything written on your CV, you can basically show up for it and own it, right? Yeah, so to stand out, what do you what do you do to stand out, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So as you know that data don't like experience and skills, what do you do? You learn. You learn more skills. You try your hands on building a lot of stuff so that you get better at your crafts. That's the, f I mean, the surest way I know to stand out. Yeah, try to join uh, communities. I and mean, that's still part of the learning process. Yeah, you share ideas. Of course, right here in Ghana, you can join a hack lab community. Yeah. There are quite a couple of communities. I think there's Dev Congress, quite, quite a number of them. Uh, some are virtual, some have meetups. You can participate in hackathons once in a while. We all, like hack lab organizes hackathons uh, annually across uh, different African countries. You could take advantage of that as well. It just, you know, gives you the opportunity to relive your beginning moments and, yeah, see how far you've come. I mean, stack up your projects, your past projects against your now project and see the progress you've made in your career so far. So standing out is quite easy. The problem is everybody knows what to do. Are they disciplined enough to do it? That remains the question. That sounds interesting. Um, Reginald, what do you have to say about that? Um, How to stand out yeah. in this space? Uh, I said, okay, maybe not everyone knows what to do, but I think it's uh, a bit simple to stand out in the engineering space because um, unlike most jobs that highly depend on uh, experience, um, in, we are fortunate to be in a space where skills speak a lot for an individual. So although experience that does play a role, you might not be able to change experience easily, but you, you're able to change the, your skill level where you are at very easily. So I think if you do want to stand out in the tech space, you, you should, it's that simple. <laughs> Add more skills, level up, just keep leveling up and you would realize that you find yourself in better positions than most people. Sounds great. So that's Sediment raging out on this week's episode of Work and Happiness. Like we said, there are a lot of factors that determine your happiness in your work and finding that balance will be your best bet, whether it's compensation or living a purpose-driven life. As Maurice Young said, to become a master at any skill, it takes the total effort of your heart, mind and soul working together in tandem. Thanks for listening to the show this week. We hope you enjoyed this. I'm Emmanuel and you've been listening to The Tech Experience. <laughs>